Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about GOP senators betray America, the Washington Post announces freedom is white supremacism, Joe Biden takes action to prevent truckers' protest in America, and Canada takes action against the truckers' place manhunt for supporters. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. I want to say a special welcome to our radio listeners. This is fun to be on radio too. I was on Salem for years, moved away from Salem to this incredibly beautiful studio I have here at Real News PR. But for our radio listeners, if you're enjoying what you're hearing, you'd like to read more about it, you can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. Again, americacanwetalk.org, website full of information. Tell you more about that a little later in the show. But with the first five today, many of you saw a headline over the weekend talking about the idea that Republican members of the United States Senate actually failed to stand up for freedom in America in a vote they had available to them, two different votes they had available to them over the weekend related to COVID mandates. And I want to just talk to you about that because this is a primary season right now. I mean, the reason this conversation is so relevant, in primaries, you actually have the chance to look at candidates who may not be your incumbent, who may, maybe there's not even a, a conservative incumbent in the office, but you can look at candidates and try to figure out what do they really believe in and what will they do when they get to Washington or to your state capital, in our case in Texas, Austin? What will they really do? Because every single Republican candidate knows when they go to, the, to make speeches, they go to their jurisdiction, their congressional district, their state, they're supposed to say, I'm a conservative, I believe in freedom, I, blah, blah, I believe in America. And they will say the things that they think that the Republican base wants to hear. The question is, what will they do when they actually get to office? What will they do in Washington when they are just drawn in by the swamp? What will they do in your state capitol? So turning back to Washington, D.C., you know, the Republicans have to fight to get anything in Washington because of the, right now, the structure of the balance of power. We have a Democrat in the White House, although, you know, dubious he was really elected, but we have a Democrat in the White House. We have, you know, a bare majority of, of uh, Democrats in the U.S. House and a split Senate. Point is, the Democrats are kind of holding on to a majority by the skin of their teeth. And as we'll talk about a little later in the day, they're very, very, very worried about the midterms. But turning to what I want to talk about, uh, the, what the Senate Republicans did, there are actually two things that occurred. One, on Tuesday, February 15th, and so you understand where we are in mandates. Biden can't wait to find more things to mandate to the American people with respect to COVID vaccines. So on Tuesday, February 15th, Republican Senator Mike Lee proposed an amendment to defund vaccine mandates for medical workers, military personnel, and federal employees, the people that uh, Biden's picking on because he believes he has the authority to do that. That isn't even settled law. But in any case, Biden's trying to mandate uh, these vaccines for, uh, for COVID uh, to medical workers, military personnel, federal employees. He actually, Senator Mike Lee, who hasn't always been the most outspoken conservative, he kind of went under the radar for a while. Now he's seeming to emerge, I'm not sure why. Um, but he distributed copies of a letter to his Senate colleagues on behalf of himself, Senators Roger Marshall of Kansas, uh, Senator Loomis of Wyoming, who's really great, um, and Mike Braun of Indiana, Rand Paul of Kentucky, and Ted Cruz of the gray state of Texas. Naturally, John Cornyn of the gray state of Texas, nowhere to be seen. But so Senator Lee puts his letter out to Senator saying, hey, look, you know, I'm going to, he's going to basically support my amendment to defund vaccine mandates for medical workers. And the key language he used um, was, uh, in a, a letter, in this letter he sent out, he, he said, we've consistently opposed Biden's federal COVID-19 vaccine mandates, forcing millions of Americans to choose between an unwanted medical procedure and being able to provide for their families. For legal, constitutional, and policy reasons, we remain not only strongly opposed to the mandates, 
but also firmly convinced that the risk of inaction on our part is unacceptably high. It's dangerous if we conservatives don't speak up. So that went down in, uh, Senator Lee's amendment went down 46 to 47. So they obviously didn't have the full roster of uh, Republicans available or Democrats available either. They had 46 that went down, didn't, didn't get his way. A day later, Wednesday, February 16th, Republican Senator Ted Cruz, great state of Texas, proposed an amendment to the budget to block federal funding for schools and child care centers that mandate COVID-19 vaccines for children. Allow me to remind you all the data we've been over on this show, the data we've talked about on this show, that vaccines, mandated COVID vaccines for children are not only unwarranted, unnecessary, but actually dangerous. Children, the vaccines are more dangerous to the kids than is COVID. Kids do not, they rarely contract COVID. The ones that do, do not die. It is, except you've had a pre-existing condition that's absolutely unnecessary for this just, you know, vaccine mandate hysteria to be imposed on children. So this should have been a slam dunk. Um, and he, Ted Cruz, made his point as saying, enough is enough, it's time to stop the petty tyrants imposing COVID-19 vaccine mandates on families across the country. No child should be denied an education because of his or her personal medical choice. Schools shouldn't get federal taxpayer dollars to trample on our constitutional liberties. Time to take a stand. Senator Cruz's uh, amendment went down 44 to 49. Both of those votes should have had 50 on the Republican side, and I really couldn't care less how many on the Democrat side. The Democrats, the point of this week was, why everyone got all excited about the Republicans may be able to accomplish something, is that Schumer apparently lost track of his vote count. In fact, my friend in Washington, who's worked as a chief of staff in a, a very prominent office and now works in another very prominent job, called me and said, did you see what happened in the Senate today? He was calling to say, Look what happened. The Republicans had a chance to do something good, to stand up against vaccine mandates, and they flaked out. The four people in particular who bailed out, uh, Richard Burr of North Carolina, Mitt Romney of Utah, uh, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, and Jim Inhofe of Oklahoma. Graham is saying, I didn't really bail out. I was over in the UK, focused on defending Ukraine and blah, blah, blah. Point is, Republicans had a chance to lead. They did not do it. On top of that, however, 19 senators, um, excuse me, last year, 80 House Republicans, 80 House Republicans voted to fund the, for the creation of a federal vaccination database. Seriously. I want to close out the first five by saying this. This COVID situation, the COVID episode the world is facing over the last couple of years, it has been, you know, dangerous and bad and alarming and perplexing and whatever other words you want to throw in that. But one good thing that's come out of it is you're starting to see what, you know, kind of rubber hits the road. What happens when elected officials have an opportunity to protect you and your freedom, your personal freedom, your decision of whether or not you want to get a vaccine, whether you want to keep your business open, you don't want to keep your business open, whether you want to wear a mask or don't want to wear a mask, all of these issues, elected conservatives have the chance to do something. And for the most part, they did not. For the most part, they just did not step up, including uh, the Republicans who would not stand strong in the Senate. Just imagine, imagine, I understand there's, there's more pitfalls along the way to get something into final law, but there should be every Republican in Washington, House and Senate, should be hellbent, pardon my language, determined beyond measure to vote and move in every step they can, not to to move against vaccines, to move against mandates, to stand up for the freedom of the American citizen and say this is just something we Republicans, it's core to our, uh, our constitutional republic, it's core to the guarantee of living in America, the idea of personal freedom. They should have been fighting and they didn't. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. The next thing I'm going to get to, I'm going to hold off for one second on that, uh, on that uh, subject there, Mr. Becker. Um, I do want to tell you, listening to my show, uh, if you enjoy listening to this show, especially if you're on radio and you, maybe you haven't heard the show before, again, go to the website, americacanbetalk.org. There's several ways you can support this show. And I do this show Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time. And I do it out of passionate determination to defend America and its unique, extraordinary identity as a country rooted in liberty rooted in protecting God-given liberties for every individual. So 
If you like the show, I usually save this little spiel till the end, but I'm going to do it right now before I launch into my next topic. If you love this show, go to the website, americacanbetalk.org. You can, number one, hit subscribe, sign up for our weekly newsletter. It's full of information, links to all of our interviews, links to our blog posts, links to what we're doing, links to the, uh, the various segments we do. So it's a great thing if you aren't able to watch the show uh, live, you can, on the weekend, get the email on Friday, sit down Saturday, pick the things you want to watch, catch up on the weekend. It's also a great way to share the show, to tell your friends about this show. I would love your help, my loyal listeners. I would love your help in spreading the information about this show. So on the website, americacanwetalk.org. Hit the subscribe button. Next thing you can do is join. Join America Can We Talk on the home page at that website. It has word members. You click on it and it takes you right to a membership page. It is a mere $50 a year, basic membership, $50 a year. You get discounts on our upcoming summits. We already have a great summit underway, uh, been planning underway for October 15th. Uh, a likely really great uh, spring summit, which, whose uh, guest I will not tell you yet because we don't really have it set up, but we're working on this. Um, and we just we also have products available. We give discounts on the things we do to our members. But the main reason to become a member for $50 a year is to support this effort on my part on this show to stand up and speak up for America's unique and extraordinary greatness. So I'd love if you would do that at our website. So those are the things I want to say about the website. Now I'm going to turn and tell you my, uh, this next topic I want to do. Uh, I called it WAPO, which is, stands for Washington Post, if you didn't know that. Uh, freedom is white supremacism. And I really want you to think about this idea, how, how bizarre and Orwellian the left has gotten. In the Washington Post, you know, the, uh, where, are they the ones that had darkness? Uh, they, ha they have a slogan I can't think of, Washington Post. But anyway, you know, just they, they claim themselves to be this, you know, the paper of record or something stupid. Anyway, in the Washington Post, they actually allowed an op-ed to be printed. And this is called, this is by a woman named Taylor Dysart, who is, of all things, going to get a PhD in the Department of History and Sociology of Science at the University of Pennsylvania, an Ivy League school. She's a PhD candidate, and she submitted, and the Washington Post chose to print her op-ed entitled, The Ottawa Trucker Convoy is Rooted in Canada's Settler Colonial History. She's calling the trucker convoy who's out there trying to stand up against tyranny from their government as, um, as racist. In fact, I want to read you one little excerpt from this astonishing thing. And you have to understand, Washington Post gets hundreds and maybe thousands of submissions of potential op-eds every week. They don't have to publish this. They could have said, you're, you're crazy. You're equating. And she is equating. She's equating freedom. She says it. I'll read it to you. Freedom the quest for freedom with white supremacism. Here is her language. Um, while the convoy supporters have characterized the protest as a peaceful movement, uninformed by politics, race, religion, or any personal beliefs, many supporters, many supporters have been associated with or expressed racist, Islamophobic, and white supremacist views. So here we have you know, the truckers convoy in Canada, which is you know, just gather the world's attention. I mean, there's a trucker, we're going to tell you later in the show, a trucker convoy starting in America. But these people in Canada, and I want to be really clear about something. These truckers in Canada, the reason that this convoy is so popular with the world, with freedom lovers around the world, it's not really just they want Justin Trudeau to remove the uh, mandates related to COVID, which they do. That's a primary goal. But this is kind of a, this is a groundswell message from the people to the Trudeau government and others in authority around the world. You know, you, you're just, you've gone too far, too far with the COVID mandates, too far with what you do with public schools, mask mandates in schools, COVID vaccine mandates in schools, too far with the way you treat children and, and just infecting them with this hideous critical race theory and other hideous ideologies. This is just a, it's a long, um, there's been a long brewing desire on the part of freedom lovers in this world to stand up against their governments and say, the government has become too big, too controlling, and down into the minutia of every day of my life, and we want our freedom back. We want our freedom back. Her point, this uh, writer whose uh, thing was posted at the, uh, listed, or um, posted at the Washington Post, um, is basically, she's in fact, she goes on to say, um, 
In Ottawa, various reports captured maskless protesters, oh my gosh, clutch my pearls, maskless protesters, brandishing Confederate Nazi and Trump 24 flags. Trump 24 flags. Please understand, these truckers, as we've, we've talked about in the show, I've showed you videos of them. These are heartland, you know, if they live in America, you'd say heartland America. These are just hardworking every day, the people who make the country run, and the same thing is true in America. They get food in the grocery stores. You get food on your table. These are hardworking, non-political people who just saying, I don't want to be controlled by the government every step of my way. So this kind of reporter, this, could, this is the most, among the most dishonest, deceptive, intentionally manipulative tactics used by left-wing people and writers is to go to something like a, you know, this trucker's protest, find somebody who's probably actually a left-wing plant a left-wing infiltrator waving a Nazi sign saying, oh and my gosh, I went to Canada and I saw someone in the trucker protest waving a Nazi flag. And for crying out loud, this is a protest where every protest you see, these Canadians are waving Canadian flags. They're waving American flags. They are standing up because they don't like what's happening. And yet this person is writing about these people as white supremacists, but she's not alone. I want to tell you something else even more and I want to the reason that this matters so much is I really want you to start to think about and 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 maybe you already do think more about the idea of how the left uses race to get their way on false accusations of racism false accusations of you know systemic racism institutional racism white supremacism racism the left spews out these accusations all the time at all their political opponents with the mission of silencing them. With the mission, the left wants to silence people who will not agree with them and just get people sucked into, guilted into, manipulated into supporting left-wing views because otherwise I might be called a racist. I mean, this is exactly the tactic they're using. So great piece up on this other website. Um, called front page essentially this is a guy who's making a reference to this this uh, idiot who should not get her phd anywhere uh who's trying to argue that the canadian truckers protest is an example of white supremacism which is absurd on its face absurd you're standing up for freedom so i suppose everybody who stood up against slavery was standing up for freedom in america those people who were fighting to free the slaves, they must have been white supremacists too, according to this moron's logic. But back to the other thing, uh, this great other article, making some other great points about it. There are other people. There's a George Washington University professor named Elizabeth Anker, like A-N-K-E-R, Anker. Elizabeth Anker, who says, who's talking about, you know, freedom, the desire for freedom. This is a slippery concept. And she says, those on the right, you have to read the contorted language, that those on the right want violent freedoms that reject being bound by norms of equality or norms to remedy inequality. Let, let me put that in plain English for you. This is a leftist professor who in some degree is way down the path of communism or at least Marxism or socialism. And she loves those ideas. She, she actually believes socialism and communism bring uh, equality and which they don't, they bring misery, misery. But what she's trying to do is say that people who fight against the left, the growing leftist socialist control in this country must be racist if they won't go along with what the left wants. She's simply saying that people who want to protest in favor of freedom, stand up for freedom, you know, she sees them as people who won't, who just refuse to submit to the left-wing contortion uh, and the idea of socialism and Marxism. So, or to put the way this article put it, freedom from state coercion to create the ideal society of the state. She wants the state, the government, to control society. And she's aggravated beyond belief that some people actually say, I don't really want the state control to control society. I don't want the state to control the economy. I want freedom. The, you know, the basic foundational American concept of the freedom of the individual. She's, she's aggravated about it. And so instead of just arguing for socialism and against freedom, she's attaching allegations of racism. Oh, if you really believe in freedom, you're probably a racist. 
if you have any problem with government control over your life, you're probably a racist. But she's not like some, you know, drugged out person in the street corner at some, you know, Antifa march. She is a professor. She's infecting America's young people with this kind of thinking. She's written several books and she loves to go on the media and talk about how great it is to let the government control more and more of your life. It's so wonderful. Just let government control everything. And so, so she, I want to quote one other thing she said here. Um, uh, 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 okay, actually, I don't want to quote any more of her. So you remember the book uh, that George Orwell wrote, 1984, and uh, endless references are now made to it. In fact, on our show this past Thursday, uh, we had Evan Sayet, who is the author of a new book, Woke Supremacy, and he's talking about how the, the same concept of Orwell had in the uh, George Orwell's 1984, he had all sorts of things that came out of the Ministry of Truth, which were like opposites. And, and for example, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. I mean, this whole notion of just turning everything, every truth on its head. Well, that's what this lady is all about. And this article is doing a great job pointing out how normal pursuit of freedom, which is belongs in America, uh, almost you know, more than any other concept does, belongs in America. She's trying to point out that these people um, who are standing up for freedom are somehow really, even though they say it's freedom, what it really, really is, is just the opposite. Um, it's white supremacism, it's evil, it's repression. And she actually goes on to point out this idea, and other writers have also, how the whole use of words, I mean, I point out how the use of words, word, words and their definition get manipulated so the left gets their way. And this is what she's really doing. She's trying to make people who stand for you know, basic constitutional American freedom out to be white supremacists because she's angry. They won't go along with all of her state control of your life. The, another example was very similar to that. Um, the ACLU, okay, I mean, honestly, it's, it's so Orwellian. So the ACLU, you know, people stand up against mask mandates. They say, I have freedom. I should have freedom whether I want to wear a mask or not. The ACLU, which, you know, the American Civil Liberties Union, or some people like to refer to as the American Communist, uh, you know, uh, Liberals Union, whatever you call it, they respond to Americans saying, we don't want our kids forced to wear masks in school. We don't want adults forced to wear masks in order to leave their homes. And said, she, the, the ACLU actually said, the real threat to civil liberties comes from states banning vaccine and mask mandates. So when states try to say, our citizens do not want to have masks mandated, our citizens do not want to have vaccines mandated, we're going to respect the freedom of the people. When states take that position, these, this ACLU is saying, no, the real threat is if you don't do mandates. Like you must mandate in order to give freedom. They're saying, so again, I'll read their sentence. The real threat to civil liberties comes from states that ban banning vaccine and mask mandates. And other organizations and news outlets have criticized, um, you know, uh, criticized, what's his name? <laughs> Florida, Governor um, DeSantis. He was called an authoritarian. They were saying, well, he's a very, he's guilty of authoritarianism because after all, you know, he's not letting mask mandates stay in place. He's trying to defend the freedom of the individual. So he's saying you can't mandate masks. And the leftist mindset says, oh, he's an authoritarian. He's a bad guy. And the reason you might think, okay, this is getting redundant here, but it's really not. One more example, and I'll tell you why it matters so much. Glenn Yonkin, who is now the governor of Virginia, has been subject to similar contortions of the English language, turns and twists of the English language. So when he tried, he was denounced as authoritarian because he said it should be up to parents to decide whether or not their kids wear masks to schools. So the governor gives freedom to parents and freedom to children. And the left world, left wing worldview, the leftist mindset, he is guilty of authoritarianism. And I, I really want to, I want to spend one more minute on this before I tell you some other things, but it's important to understand how consequential turning definitions of language is, how, and how effective it can be. Because people don't like to be called racist, they don't like to be called authoritarian, they don't like to be called bigots and homophobes, and all the words the left thinks up. So if the left succeeds in defining a new term, 
and people just submit go, okay, well, I don't want me that. The left wins the argument. And in this particular case, I really want to hone in on the major battle, the, the overarching major battle in this world, which is those who love freedom, America being the primary country that enshrines freedom in our founding documents, in the Declaration, the Constitution, the whole concept of America, the freedom of the individual, the right of the individual to live in freedom under a structure, under the, under the rules and structure of law and under God created in our Declaration and Constitution. That's one side. And the other side is this growing socialist totalitarian mission, globalist socialist totalitarian mission. It's the other major massive overarching ideology pushing against the idea of freedom lovers. That's where we are in this world today. That's the battle of the truckers. It's the battle on the COVID front. It's the battle on all sorts of issues because how leftists think, leftist, communist, socialist, globalist think is that everything's better off. Every person's better off if you'll just let the globalists, the leftists, the communists, the socialists be in charge of the world. They will make things better. Don't worry, they'll make things better. And so when you have these people, like I'm talking about these two columns I mentioned, trying to equate freedom with white supremacism, what they're really getting at is the right of the individual. And that's what America is about, the right of the individual. If I want to engage in you know, freedoms, as long as I'm not hurting somebody else, and now the evidence is overwhelming, People who don't wear masks are not hurting anybody else. And now that more people around the world have figured this out, are reading studies instead of just listening to the dictates of Anthony Fauci and the medical establishment, actually reading doctor's reports, understanding the masks aren't helping anything. These people are saying, wait, I should get to decide for myself and for my children. I should get to decide. So the battle is those who love freedom and those who say, no, you're, you're gonna let us control every aspect of your life. Don't worry, you'll love being under the globalist control. Don't worry, you'll love being under socialist, communist, Marxist, globalist control. You'll love it, we'll make life better, everything will be fair. So back to this professor who was quoted, if you read the deeper language, the point of her language and the same thing when this Washington Post editorial by this woman who should not get a PhD from any place, what they're really arguing, they are arguing for the power of the state to control. And so the state has said, must wear masks, must get vaccines, must, must have a vaccine passport, must enforce vaccine mandates, must do what we say and it's always the collective controlling the people. That's how leftists are, it's what they think is their, their reason for being is leftism controlling people. And that's the battle here. And what the leftists don't like is, what, is having that pointed out because what the people who want their freedom are saying, we want the freedom of the individual and we really don't care if your collectivist government wants us to do X, Y, and Z. We should get to decide. That's what the battle is. And because the left really yet in America still has not won the American people over to socialism, communism, etc., they resort to using racism as an allegation. It's ugly, it is dishonest, it is unjustified. People like this professor and the one who wrote, the woman who wrote the uh, PhD candidate who wrote the article, Washington Post, what they're really saying is, you foolish American citizens who believe in the individual right to freedom, wise up, you're much better off, you know, lay in the collective, run your life. We're, we the collective, we the globalists, we the communists, we the socialists, we know how to run things. Just shut up and let us run your life. That's what they're really saying. And so, because they can't exactly say that, they call people racist. There's nothing deeper to it than that. I want to, before we, turn, we get to our bottom of our hour, we have a little Debbie Dishes time during our radio break. But before we get there, I want to tell you two ways you can support this show that are just really fun, really easy, really great. One is, on the MyPillow uh, website at MyPillow.com. Um, I am very happy to sp uh, support MyPillow.com. If you go to MyPillow.com, you can order sheets and towels and bathrobes and slippers, all sorts of great products. They have high quality products, reasonable prices. But you go to MyPillow.com, put in the promo code at the, bo uh, uh, at the bottom, Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, Debbie G, you get up to 66% off 
from your total purchase, I get a small percentage, and all of us are better off getting great products from a great provider, my pillow. Radio listeners come up after the break. Okay, so back to my, at the bottom there, was Debbie Dish's thing. I have to tell you, uh, this, the radio listeners are off there, they're a three minute break. Um, I want to just tell you, Joe, what something Joe Biden did, and it's so interesting, it kind of reveals a lot about him. So, Joe Biden, um, when a year ago, like March 1st of last year, 2021, uh, the country, America invoked a, a national emergency declaration, or Biden invoked a national emergency declaration. And the basic idea of that was he is going to be able, through this declaration, to pretty much control a lot of American life because of COVID. So he's had this declaration in place, gives him a lot of power he wouldn't already otherwise have. One of the terms of him being permitted to have that, to issue that order, um, that emergency declaration, was that he had to, within 90 days prior to the expiration of that, so this coming up March 1st, he had to notify Congress if he wanted to extend that. He wants even more power. He wants a longer-term control uh, in, in America. And so he did notify uh, Nancy Pelosi, saying, yeah, actually, let's extend it. You know, I love my power. I'm not giving up my power. Are you kidding me? So he notified them. He felt the emergency nature of COVID, which is pretty much, by the way, the pandemic is over, pretty much over. Omicron was a big nothing, but he loves the power he has especially he loves it as he looks forward to the next few weeks in America. So he's notified Congress and there's nothing they can do about it. He's just said, hey, I told you I need this. I need it. The end. And so he's now invoked a continuation extension of his national emergency declaration from last year. One reason he may be thinking about this is that America and people around the world have been watching this Canadian truckers protest and and the this the you know, the Brush fires of freedom, as they say, are spreading. And so he sees in America, there are several protests, truckers convoys starting now in America, and they are targeting heading toward Washington, DC. And, and they have several different starting points. One is in LA, one is in somewhere in Pennsylvania. But the point is, Joe Biden has his first State of the Union speech on March 1st. First State of the Union speech on March 1st. And so he can see, he can envision, or someone who actually can think in his administration can envision, all these truckers' convoys arriving in Washington, D.C. around March 1st. So he's trying to have his, I am the savior of America, isn't it great, I'm back. And, and so he's up there, you know, wants to give his State of the Union speech, he's picturing all these truckers' convoys coming into Washington, making him look as foolish and weak as Justin Trudeau does in Canada. And so he's very worried about this. My guess is almost entirely the reason he re-invoked it, because these truckers' convoys are not joking. They're coming to Washington to stand up for freedom, just like in Canada. So welcome back to our radio listeners. This is Debbie Georgiatis. My show is America Can We Talk? And on the little break, the Debbie Dishes break, while you were off hearing your ads, I was talking about Joe Biden having invoked the national, uh, or re-invoked uh, the National Emergency Declaration, which was in place the last year. He had to give it up uh, as of March 1st, unless he notified Congress he wanted an extension. He, got, he gave him the extension, so rocking and rolling. And he's doing that, I feel very sure, because he's afraid of the truckers' convoys making him look as weak and helpless and tyrannical as now Justin Trudeau looks in Canada. So uh, I'm getting emails all the time about the different truck convoys. You know, I, people are they're driving all over the country and they're picking up followers just like uh, the ones did in Canada. And this is a, it's a great time, a refreshing of the idea of freedom. So, uh, so Biden has that uh, coming. He thinks he's going to, I, I think he's going to use it as a pretext to try to stop the truckers' convoys. Uh, at this point, I, I th don't know yet if it has sunk in to the um, Biden administration just how much damage uh, Justin Trudeau has done to himself and to Canada, but uh, we'll see. Okay, last topic for today. We still have a whole half an hour. If you're listening on radio, again, my name is Debbie Georgiatis. The show is called America Can We Talk. The website is americacanwetalk.org. The last thing I have to tell you, these are the most amazing developments in Canada. Okay, so I'll tell you something funny first. So over the weekend, my husband and I had dinner with these friends. We have dinner with um, these friends, you know, pretty often. Anyway, so... Uh, and, I, and they subscribe to my newsletter. And so in my newsletter, I very, you know, I lay out, you know, who I interviewed. Here's a link to the interview. 
lay out who the top, what the topics are. So my friend commented, yeah, I got your email. And I kind of scanned all the topics and she goes, you sure talk about the Canadian truckers a lot. Now, she loves the Canadian truckers. She loves the whole uh, movement, but she just made me realize I have talked about it a lot. But I will tell you, it's not just because Canada happens to be our neighbor to the north, which it is, of course, America's neighbor to the north, but it's because Canada has a culture somewhat in the ballpark of America. And if anything, meaning it's kind of a Western civilization, supposed to be a country rooted in freedoms. And in Canada, this truckers uh, convoy has just, uh, they are now breaking it up. You know, the, the Trudeau has sent in the troops. They are breaking it up. They are uh, arresting people. They are taking away, they're, um, taking away their bank accounts, taking all their money away. So Trudeau has had, you know, and, and the reason to finish that thought, the reason I do this is I think what the truckers stand for is a much broader thing than just the mandates about uh, COVID. I know I was saying this earlier, but what exactly it really is, is a sense. It's a pushback by the, 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 you know, the masses of the world it's a pushback by the people against this. What I said earlier today, there's a you know, there's a right wing, uh, or, and I like how ring. There's just a main main street mainstream apple pie America view that Americans have the right to live in freedom. That's that's what America really is, and those people are waking up because they're starting to recognize the globalists are very organized. The World Economic Forum, the globalists, the socialist movement in this country massively organized. Marxist movement has now infiltrated all sorts of pockets of government, many, many pockets of America's federal government, the bureaucracies, the agencies, academia have been infiltrated with this horrible idea of socialism. And it's now coming to the fore that left for the first time, unafraid to say they're socialists. They're not even embarrassed anymore like they used to be because they think they are winning. And so what you're seeing, the truckers combo is not just about the truckers, not just about Canada, not just about Canada's vaccine mandates. It's about the idea, hey, wait a minute. We're starting to recognize there is a rising tyranny of socialism in this world and we're all watching it and we want to stop it. We want to stand up and say, no, I don't care if we got duped into getting people into office or in powerful uh, positions in the bureaucracies, in our federal government, in institutions, into media, in, into you know every aspect of American society. We the people want freedom. That's what the truckers convoy is captured that spirit of standing up against the impending uh, crackdown, the, the impending suffocation of freedom at the hands of the globalists and socialists who now believe they have won the day and they're on the march in the world. That's why people love the, the uh, Freedom Convoy. So what's happening in Canada, a whole bunch of things I want to tell you as, as updates, because they're all really kind of interesting and fun. First thing to tell you is they have, you know, part of what uh, Trudeau did was he invoked on the, under their national emergency thing. Um, he uh, invoked the ability to take away people's money. So he has been seizing bank accounts. And, you know, I, I mean, just, I saw, by the way, a news clip from Australia. And Australia has been, you know, even more tyrannical than Canada up until recently. And even the, the uh, news announcers in Australia are saying, wow, Trudeau has lost his mind. Have you seen that? I mean, they're, they're looking like, they're saying, hey, Trudeau is making Australia look good because he's been so bad. So he has you know, been cracking down and trying to break up the protest and taking away the bank accounts of people involved. Well, he ended up taking away the bank account, uh, cleaning out the bank account of a woman who's a single mom with five kids and who in some degree supported this protest. And so this now he looks like, you know, this typical slimy, uh, slippery leftist, you know, justifying his behavior by talking about, I'm standing up for law and order. And, you know, he's taking the bank account of a, um, and, and oh, her, her crime was the woman donated $50 to the Freedom Convoy. For donating $50 in the Freedom Convoy, the, the Canadian government has frozen the bank account of a mom who's on minimum wage and has five kids. Yeah, not going well for him. Trudeau is looking smaller and smaller, but we have a bunch of other things that happen. They're actually really, really interesting. So in this time when, when Trudeau is clinging to power and clinging to his determination to inflict um, you know, more uh, COVID control, refusing to lift control, as uh, among the many examples, 
as the world wakes up from this COVID nightmare and realizes we didn't have to do everything we did, Israel, probably the most controlled of all the countries in the world, Israel has been horrible on this issue, and surprisingly so. Uh, they've now announced basically they're lifting almost all COVID restrictions. Israel, Israel, please let that sink in. Washington, D.C., dropping mandates on masks, dropping the need to prove COVID vaccination. Washington, D.C. Um, other countries are doing, other cities in America just saying, okay, we got carried away. Trudeau is clinging, as is Biden, clinging to his leftist love of power, cannot let it go. Okay, so um, I want to say, though, about Canada, several really interesting things. One is, there's a woman in the Canadian government. She is the deputy, uh, I'll tell you her title. Um, she is the um, deputy prime minister of Canada. This is the clip one, uh, this woman named Christia, Christia Freeland. And Christia Freeland is basically, uh, she's, you know, she works with, with Trudeau. She's the deputy prime minister. And she is, went on air to talk about how important it is that all these emergency things that Trudeau did should be made permanent. Let's pay, play Christia. Uh in terms of the financial instruments which our government is using right now to act against these illegal blockades and illegal occupation, uh, we reviewed very, very carefully the tools at the disposal of the federal government. Uh, and we used all the tools that we had prior to the invocation of the Emergencies Act and we determined that we needed some additional tools. Now, some of those tools, uh, we will be putting forward uh, measures to put those tools permanently in place. Uh, the authorities of FinTrack, I believe, do need to be expanded to cover crowdsourcing platforms uh, and uh, payment platform and their payment providers. Uh, so that's that is something that we need to do and we will do and that needs to be in place permanently. Uh, some of these other tools uh, like uh, the sharing of information between law enforcement and financial services and the requirement of financial services to be reviewing their accounts proactively and the immunity from prosecution that we have provided to them in doing this. These are extraordinary measures, measures that we absolutely believe are necessary in the current circumstances that are having an impact. And cut let me off. also point- Let's cut her off. You know, she goes on and on. She's basically saying that these emergency powers that Trudeau used in the face of this protest, and again, this is the people rising up against an oppressive government. And she's saying, yeah, these temporary, I mean, in law, in Canada, as in America, you know, these emergency measures have to be justified by an emergency and you have to, it's not a, a, an assumed power spelled out in the statutes. It's not a power he always has, but because of the emergency, he had them. She's saying, make these, and this is a, this is a woman saying, we're going to give the government more power to shut down the voices of the people. We're going to give them more power to do that. This woman, Christia Freeland, by the way, amazingly, and the title I just told you she has, you know, she's the vice, she's the deputy uh, prime minister in Canada. She also happens to be on the board of trustees, not kidding, of the World Economic Forum. The World Economic Forum, all tied up in the Great Reset, all tied up in the you know, the, the globalists take over the world, the notion that the world's going to come under the control of the socialists and the globalists. She holds both positions at the same time. Someone sent this to me and, I, and said, isn't it? This is wrong. You know what, actually, if you're a leftist, you don't see anything wrong with it at all. You think, yeah, you know, we're leftists in Canada. We're trying to control everything that people do. And the World Economic Forum trying to control. We believe in taking away the freedom of the people. That's what we are. That's what we stand for. And so she doesn't see it, and neither does, I'm sure, Justin Trudeau as a problem at all. But this is, if you don't, if you wonder how leftist she is, she's great with the idea of the socialist organization, the socialist mindset of the World Economic Forum, planning to take all individual freedom away because, after all, you know, greater good, the socialist globalists can control every single aspect of your life. Just let them have that power. There's also an interesting development happening in Canada uh, about people getting arrested. The police moving in are arresting tons of people. So I want to have you show, uh, uh, Mr. Becker, the next clip I have um, 
was a, a one that was it's a little bit long. It's, and let's just start it, but we may not do the whole thing. The gist of it is these people are getting arrested for protesting. The police round them up, and they put them in handcuffs, and they take them away. Okay, actually, Mr. Becker, play that first one if you would. Hey, with Garrick, uh, he's part of our crew. He came out with us on the convoy from the west, and uh, he was arrested yesterday on the front lines, holding the line for real. And here's his, here he is here. So I was just at the front of the line, uh, just holding it, just standing where we were, not really you know, pushing or trying to get violent or anything. And then when the first line of forces came through and they did the first charge, I kind of got separated by the rest of the crowd. Everyone kind of backed up a bit and I was just kind of pushed forward too much and I was just separated and the cops just going me back. Um, it wasn't too bad for me. The cops after the initial arrest were really nice, but uh, it was definitely pretty adrenaline-inducing before that. Did they just grab you and drag you up from the crowd? Yeah, exactly. Just yeah, the other, like four of them just grabbed me and pulled me behind the line. Where did they, when they were done, what happened? So they just dropped us off. They like, put us by the hotel that was near there, the West End, and they just left us there for like three hours. Um, there was like 60 or 70 of us maybe just in handcuffs. Each one of us had a police officer that was with us the whole time. Uh, they just left us there for three hours and then we got into a bus for another hour, waited there, um, and then they just let us go. They dropped us off like downtown and they said, promise you won't come back to the protest. <laughs> okay, let's cut Wish we're here right now. Mr. Becker, yeah, okay. What I want to say about that is they had several clips like this. I could have played a bunch of them. These people said the police come along, they rough them up, they, and all they do is take them down the street or maybe a mile or two away, drop them off, and they, and they all go back. I mean, the police say don't go back. They, okay, right, it won't go back. But I want to point out what Justin Trudeau, he's trying to look tough. He's trying to show off to his left-wing buddies. Yeah, I, I control these people. We're not going to have any freedom march here in Ottawa. I'm standing up. He doesn't really want to arrest them because he realizes how much trouble they get in with, with the people. And so it's, it's a complete farce. But the second point I want to make is that Justin Trudeau invoked this, whole, this his emergency authority in Canada. And the way their law works, within one week, seven days, the parliament gets to vote on whether or not to support what he did. So Trudeau doesn't have endless emergency power, unlike Biden thinks he has. And so Trudeau has to face a vote in parliament. As I, when I left the house, I still didn't see how parliament voted, but there was a great clip on the floor. Uh, this is the um, clip by this woman. Uh, I, it, I think her website, I think her name is actually, yeah, she's a, she's a member of parliament, MP Candace Bergen. I want to play her clip, what she had to say, speaking to Trudeau. He may not like it, Mr. Speaker, but in Canada, civil liberties must be defended at every turn. Section 2 guarantees our freedom of association and assembly. Section 7 guarantees our right to life, liberty and security of the person. Section 8 guarantees our protection against unreasonable search and seizure. Canadians can't be expected to simply take this Prime Minister at his word. His plans are not consistent with fundamental freedoms. The government should not have the power to close the bank accounts of Canadians on a whim. The Prime Minister is doing this to save his own political skin, but Mr. Speaker, this is not a game. It comes at the cost to Canadians' rights and freedoms. Speaker, Parliament should not allow the Prime Minister to avoid responsibility in this way. I urge all members of this House, proceed with extreme caution. Now is the time to stand up for your constituents, to show real leadership, to help heal our divisions, to listen to those we disagree with, to not shut them down, to not tell them that they are irrelevant, to not speak insults to them. That is the job of each one of us as members of Parliament. No matter who we represent, we have to represent them with integrity, with hope, with honour. And what the Prime Minister is doing, Mr. Speaker, he has for the last two years disregarded these Canadians, called them names and insulted them. It is time to show leadership for every one of us and say no to this Emergencies Act. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Okay. I wish she lived in America. I would like to name one person, by the way, one person in the United States Congress, you think, who would get up and give a speech like that. I and mean, we have Republicans 
cooperating with the vaccination database stuff and, and failing to stand up when they had the opportunity to try to protect American citizens who do not want to be subject to a vaccine mandate. And we couldn't get them to do it. Whoever that woman is, her name is Candace Bergen, and she's a member of parliament. God bless her. She is tough, and I love it. Love what she's doing. So in Canada, one last thing. The Canadian government borrowing a page from what the January 6th committee, I mean, I'm telling you people, it's so important to, and, and illuminating to kind of step back from the immediacy of the situation and recognize you have government believing they control the people and, people's, and, and believing they get to tell you in the case of COVID, you know, everything that you can do, whether you have to get a shot, whether you're allowed to have a job, whether you're allowed to go on an airplane, whether you're allowed to uh, wire your house without a mask, they get to control your life. And the people who love power, such as Trudeau and Biden, they, they're watching around the world. More and more countries are releasing, dropping these mandates. And these, these people live on and are, are wedded to the idea, not just of controlling the people, but as using COVID as a vehicle to change the assumption, the presumption of freedom the average person has. Trudeau is not by happenstance, he happens to have a deputy prime minister who's on the board of the World Economic Forum. It's not, it's not coincidental, it's how they think. And this idea of COVID being used to control the people, COVID being justified by the World Economic Forum, by Klaus Schwab, to justify the Great Reset, which is essentially taking the whole world under the control of the global socialists and ending the you know, old-fashioned, silly idea of America rooted in freedom. This really is a battle of our time. It's so important to understand that. So borrowing a page from the January 6th committee, back to Canada, they actually had the Ottawa police chief is confirming that he's interim chief because the real, the real chief, a patriot, apparently quit. So now they have interim chief. Ottawa police chief confirms federal law enforcement is going to use intelligence gathered during this truckers protest to continue investigating, hunting, targeting, and arresting protest attendees long after the protests end. Just like January 6th committee, we've had these stories in the show where people who went to Washington on January 6th never got near the Capitol. They were just at Trump's speech or they got to the Capitol, but nowhere inside. FBI showing up at the front door, banging on their door, questioning them, threatening them for going to Washington to protest what many, many people and a growing number of people saw as a stolen election. And what the Trump administration, excuse me, the Biden administration is doing right now is saying, you know, you can't even question the election. We are a tyrannical ruling force in Washington. So they put out a DHS bulletin two weeks ago today saying that you may be considered a domestic terrorist if you even question the outcome of the 2020 election or if you question the COVID vaccine policies of this government. They actually put it in a bulletin we talked about in the show. It's up on our website. This is not to, I mean, tyranny is a word, maybe it sounds uh, too hard to say or, or rough, or, but it is utterly justified. These are people saying we have power. Millions of people think the election was stolen. Mountains of evidence exists to show that it was at least highly questionable and probably stolen. But if you, the American people, even want to talk about that, you might be considered a domestic terrorist. You might have the FBI at your front door. Same thing the Canadians are doing. They're not just saying, okay, we broke up the protest. You know, we've, got, we've taken the bank accounts of some people, which I think it is being challenged in court there. I think it's gonna be ruled they have to give them their money back, but they are, they are arresting truckers. They are you know, trying to break down the protest and, and, and then carrying on the same way the January 6th committee is doing to protesters in America saying, yeah, we're going to hunt down the people, hunt down the people who actually showed up to, pro to support the protesters. His language, federal law enforcement will, will use intelligence gathered to continue investigating, hunting, targeting, and arresting protest attendees long after the protest ends. These ideas, this mentality of government taking hold in, in Canada and taking hold in the January 6th Committee in America, this is why... This, they are feeding and inspiring people who support the truckers' convoy because, because they, they want to have some vehicle, some way to say, we stand up for freedom. 
You actually don't get to control what we say. You don't get to control every aspect of our lives. It's not your job. This is a wonderful time to be alive for those who really believe in the spirit of America, believe in the founding documents, the idea of in the declaration, we have God-given rights simply because we were born and we're all equal. We don't have a ruling class who doesn't have to follow the rules. We have, we have a rule of law that all of us follow and we have a structure of government and we have rights, Bill of Rights spelled out freedom of speech, freedom of religion, uh, freedom of assembly. Well, she's even talking about in Canada, that Candace Bergen MP is talking about, yeah, even in Canada, you actually have freedom of assembly. So great time to recognize the Canadian truckers are re-inspiring the spirit of freedom around the world and they're doing it in the face and at a time when the growing globalist, socialist uh, mentality is just that the you know agenda 2030, the, the entire great reset mentality believes they're on the cusp of taking control and, and uh, denigrating the idea of nation states, denigrating the unique greatness of America. It's a great time to be alive and have these people standing up. Okay, before we have our, I want to tell one more thing to our radio listeners before you are signing off. I know you'll be signing off fairly soon. Uh, again, my name is Debbie Georgiatis. The show is called America Can We Talk. The website is americacanwetalk.org. I urge you to go there, donate, join for $50 a year. Donate to keep the show. It's a listener-supported show. Uh, subscribe to the newsletter. Be part of our conversation. Enjoy this precious conversation about America and our, the precious gift of liberty that America was given by our founders. I also want to urge you to support this show. I already mentioned earlier, you can go to MyPillow.com. The other place you can, a way you can support this show and get a wonderful product also has to do with a beverage, a drink that I found out about when my husband and I, you can put that up, Mr. Becker, uh, when, that I found out about um, when I, my husband and I had had the flu and we were really, really dragging. I mean, we just, we got through the flu. We're like, oh, I still don't feel like a, told a doctor friend of mine who said, you should try this drink. H2Bev is the company, the letter H, the number two, Bev, B-E-V, and go to the website, h2bev.com. It's a beverage called HydroShot. You can go to that website, order a case of HydroShot, only available online, put in Debbie G and the promo code, and you could get yourself some of this stuff. I'm telling you, I, I never miss a morning now. I have, a, I have one can, small can every morning, three great flavors. I think they have more flavors coming. I only have three. And they do, they help you give focus and energy. They are just a great morning drink. Um, I drink that in the morning first thing, and I'm telling you, you will notice. It is, is a uniquely manufactured process that makes it what it is. It has infused hydrogen, uh, which is an antioxidant. It does a great job. You will love it. Try HydroShot. Go to the website and use Debbie G as a promo. You get a discount, uh, and it'll be delivered right to your happy front door. I close the show every day by telling you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started the show talking about GOP senators betray America. Yes, they did. Senate votes to defund vaccine mandates, defeated by the Democrats, uh, 47 to 46. Four GOP senators ducked away and ran away from the vote. Romney, Graham, Burr, and Inhofe. And McConnell is supposedly orchestrated this evasion, which I can completely believe. Americans must realize there's no political party for we the people or America first. The GOP doesn't represent its base. It doesn't know its base anymore. Time for radical rejection of rhino incumbents, which is nearly, frankly, all incumbents. Washington Post, freedom is white supremacism. Washington Post publishes an op-ed linking the desire for freedom with white supremacism. I mean, you, George Orwell couldn't even do as well as that. So absurd. This is a left in Orwellian hyperdrive, the complete perversion of language. America fought a war to free slaves. So is that an act of white supremacism? The left redefines any resistance to collectivist control as racist, seeks to redefine freedom as inappropriate for collectivist right ideas like climate change controls, public health controls, bank account controls. Truth and freedom are stirring in America and the world. They must be relearned in this 21st century. And on Biden takes action to prevent truckers' protests in America. Biden extends a one-year official state of emergency, claiming powers otherwise not available to him under the Constitution. He fears a U.S. trucker's convoy reaching Washington, D.C. on March 1st, his scheduled first State of the Union. 
the world's trend is to end vaccine mandates and other COVID restrictions. UK, Israel leading the way, the US is lagging. Millions of Americans, millions of mankind are fed up and have seen through the lies. The Beltway pretends it has authority to lead, but moral authority has been lost. Exciting times to be alive and in the fight to preserve America and freedom. And finally, Canada takes action against the truckers, plots a manhunt for supporters. Trudeau has gone full dictator. Christia Freeland, Canadian cabinet official, deputy prime minister, and she's also a, in the board of trustees at the World Economic Forum, intends to make bank account confiscation power permanent, just like any collectivist totalitarian person would. Canadian Parliament is supposed to vote today on whether to affirm Trudeau's declaration of an emergency. Uh, monumental historical times in Canada and for the world. The appearance of Trudeau in control may prove temporary. Videos of arrests and open police brutality are going viral, and the Canadian people appear furious at what Trudeau has done. The Canadian Freedom Convoy story is far from over. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. America Can We Talk? Truth about America.